Hi, everybody. Welcome to Realty Speak, the podcast where experts answer questions and share real world examples that you, the listener, can incorporate as part of your real estate investment strategy to build up revenue, realize higher returns, and retain more profit when you sell. Without further ado, here is yours truly, Bill Widener, and this episode's guest, Megan Galane. Megan, you are the director of business development at Mountain West IRA and joined the firm right after completing your undergrad work at the University of Utah, where you obtained a Bachelor of Science degree in exercise and sports science, and then in a shift obtained your CISP, which for our listeners is Certified IRA Services Provider. Now, Mountain West is one of the nation's leading independent self-directed IRA and 401k administration companies. And from talking with you before we got started, it's evident that your mission is to educate your clients and then help them deploy alternative investment strategies, thereby enabling them to use retirement funds that are typically invested in securities, bonds, and mutual funds to instead real estate, promissory notes, and precious metals. Welcome, Megan, and thank you for joining us today on Realty Speak. Thanks for having me on today, Bill. Megan, I'm curious. Your main office is in Idaho. What was the impetus to relocate to Florida from Idaho and establish a branch? And why did you shift from sports sciences to the art of retirement assets? It's a great question. So uh, we like to say we're coast and coast, which is Boise, Idaho and Clearwater, Florida. John Glane, who is the CEO of Mountain West IRA, actually was invited to Clearwater to come speak at a real estate investment meeting. And he loved it so much while he was here. He started looking at condos to live in and decided this is where he wanted to retire. So he ended up opening an office here in Clearwater and building this office in addition to the Boise office. So we work remotely from Boise office. So like everything is connected to Boise. And in our Clearwater, Florida office, there's just two of us working. And then John and Lisa work from here when they're visiting Clearwater. How'd they get you to move from the Mountain West to Clearwater? Let's start at the beginning. I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Then I was pushed out of Vegas by my parents to go experience life in the mountains and just a different atmosphere. So I went to school in the University of Utah. So Salt Lake City, Utah. If anybody's been there, you know it's freezing cold during the winter time. So that was my first experience with winter. And when I, after the very first winter, I decided I never want to build a life somewhere (laughs) where it snows. So I was either going to go back to Las Vegas upon graduation or go try Florida. And just ever since I was little, I just loved Florida. So I was like, let me just give Florida a try. And then my dad happened to have a condo here. So it was perfect for me to just kind of move out with him. I I think I visited him in April of 2014 when I graduated. And then by May, I moved out here. Surprise, unbeknownst to him. (laughs) That was definitely an easy move for you because uh, you wanted to get away from the mountain cold. Yes. So that was really what happened and how I got out to Florida. And then I was working in my field of exercise sports science. I was training older individuals and children. And I loved training both of those age groups, but I hated the hours. I felt like I had no life. And I was working from you know 4 or 5 a.m. to noon and then starting back again to train kids at 6 p.m. once their parents are off work for sports. So it became, or working 
schedule where all I was doing was working, but really I was only working four hours a day, it seemed like. So that's why I kind of lost interest in exercise sports science. Um, I didn't have connections here in Florida like I did in Utah or anywhere out west. So I finding a different job and something that I enjoyed was a lot harder than I thought it would be. And at Mountain West, if you catch the last names, John Glane is actually my father. So uh, here at Mountain West, the person that was working in the Florida office, she did all the marketing and she had to uh, go back to England where she was from. And so she was leaving and he just kind of said, do you want to try out marketing and sales and see what, how you like retirements? And if it works, it works. If not, then it doesn't. And I was like, sure, let's give it a try. And so I actually started part-time at Mountain West, just learning the business and then eventually moving to full-time. And now I have a, a team of business development that I train. So we've grown the business development team pretty quickly in about three years. That's a really great story. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. There's much buzz about self-directed, and I think more and more people are becoming aware of it as an alternative to the traditional retirement plan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but let's say someone at 35 years old, and I know there's a lot of different ways that this can be done, but I'm going to use this example. Let's say someone at 35 years old changes jobs, and they had a really good 401k. They were with the job for you know 10 plus years. They put in the max every year, and the company matched, and you know they were there long enough to be vested. So now they change jobs and they have this $100,000 401k. I mean, I guess what they could do is roll it into an IRA and then have it managed by an investment advisor, or they could start a company like an LLC and then do an individual 401k and take it upon themselves to make investments, alternative investments in real estate, promissory notes, or like we said before, precious metals. Now, if they you know, worked at this. I mean, obviously it's not going to happen by itself, but if they worked at this for every year for the next 25 years and they added $35,000 a year, at the end of that time, they would have $950,000. And at 60 years old, they could start taking a distribution if they wanted to, or could maybe semi-retire, spend a little bit more time investing in real estate, you know, buying and fixing up and selling single family homes, buying multifamily properties, maybe some commercial properties, and have a nice portfolio that they could draw from on an annual basis with never even really touching the principal. To me, that sounds like an endless annuity. And it really is. And if you're comfortable with investing with any type of real estate, whether it be single family, commercial, or even a promissory note, then you can use that method. We see a variety of different people coming from 401ks. We see the individual who is retiring, who's at that retirement age retiring. They still have energy in them. They do love real estate. They may have a rental or two in their portfolio outside of their IRA. So now they're finding out about using their 401k to invest in real estate. Or we do have those 35-year-olds who are leaving a corporate job. They want to go home and spend time with their family or travel the world, whatever it is. And they are rolling over their plans, establishing a company where as long as you're making income, you can always contribute to an individual K plan. We see the rollovers from the 401k plans into an individual K plan quite often. And then people do use that money and grow it in alternative investments. But then we also see them just roll it over into a traditional IRA and use it as well. The contribution limits aren't as high, but they can go back to a corporate job if they wish or 
not work at all and still use that those investments for alternative investing. So when I was talking about adding $35,000 a year, that would be because, you know, they're making investments that are, you know, they're buying a house, they're fixing up, they're selling it, they're making a profit. Maybe they're doing two or three of those a year. I mean, very conservatively, if they're making, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 for each one, you know, that's $35,000, $36,000 a year. But like you said, if they're doing with a company that actually has another purpose, uh, the income from that can be offset by contributions. So they're growing the 401k as well from the contributions. Now, let me ask you a question about that. When, when someone has a company and they do a individual K plan, if they start to have employees, do they have to include those employees in the plan? So once you have employees with an individual K plan, you actually need to get a full-blown 401k plan through a, a provider that would provide a 401k plan. An individual K plan does not have all the requirements for the ERISA laws, which is E-R-I-S-A. Uh, the ERISA laws with employees protect the employees. So individual K plans are meant for owners and spouses of those owners or children. Uh, for those plans. So once you get employees, you need to move to a 401k provider. Right. So if you're going to do this and and you're going to have a big company and all of a sudden you're going to have employees, then you would want to roll that over into an IRA. Well, you can keep what you have, the individual K plan, but the fees, yes. For fees reason, you'd probably want to move it to an IRA. When could people start doing this? Is this just always been around and now it's becoming more popular? Uh, you've always been able to do it, any type of investing in an IRA alternatively, it's just becoming more popular because the groups and education is just so prominent. And with YouTube and Picker Pockets and all these different sources, you can find all this information. So it's always been around since the birth of IRAs and Roth IRAs and individual K plans. It's just newer educational platform. Yeah, you know, you mentioned bigger pockets. I actually listen to that podcast as well. I have people that always tell me I need to be on there. <laughs> yeah, you actually probably do. But I'm glad you're on Realty Speak first. Yes. <laughs> I'm starting, starting to get back out there. Right, right, right. Um, what's the role of Mountain West IRA? Mountain West IRA is a third-party administrator. So we actually have a custodian, which is Mainstar Trust, who looks over all of our assets and all of our accounts and makes sure that everything is going on perfectly. Uh, but we act as third-party administrator. You'll never deal with the bank we work with, which is Mountain West Bank. They're not affiliated to us at all, but all your cash is held in an FDIC-insured bank account up to $250,000. And all assets, because it's a hard asset, then you're choosing the asset and that's what you invested in. So it's your choice. We don't protect assets. But um, we do work with a bank so that the funds can be FDIC-insured. So then Mountain West IRA does all the record keeping and all the reporting? Correct. So Mountain West does all of the record keeping for your IRA. We send in annual statements to the account holders, which is you normally, and inform when you need to be taking required minimum distributions or um, we send you the, the annual tax reporting 1099Rs or 5498s. So we do all of the IRA work for you and report it to the IRS. Has there been any impact from the new tax law on the self-directed strategy? The only real impact that's been in the tax law is on IRAs altogether. 
which is you can no longer recharacterize your traditional to your Roth conversion. So people used to convert their traditional to their Roth IRA. And then when it came tax time, realized they had to pay taxes on that money and they may have made money in that account. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to move it back to my traditional. And so we would recharacterize it and they would just get taxed on the, the growth from the account. But now you can no longer do that recharacterization. So now we're really, really pushing people to talk to their CPAs or tax accountants before you do a, a conversion because you cannot recharacterize it. Yeah, and that's something that people definitely want to discuss with uh, their accounting professional or their tax attorney to make sure that they're doing the right thing. And, you know, and I always like to say on the podcasts, uh, I love having experts like yourself explain uh, the different strategies that are available to real estate owners, uh, but they also should always involve their other professionals that they depend on, you know, to make sure that they're taking the right action to achieve the desired result. I uh, just want to go back to the uh, 401k and the IRA again real quick. So you talked a little bit before about, you know, why somebody would take the 401k and put it into the IRA because they're just going to do the real estate investing and they're not really concerned about the amount of continued contributions. But what are some other reasons why someone would use the 401k strategy as opposed to the IRA strategy and the self-directed? So the 401k strategy, if you're a sole entrepreneur, solo entrepreneur, or sole proprietor business owner without any employees, that individual K plan is one of the most flexible accounts you can have. You have the employer and employee contribution limits. Yes, I know you are your employer. <laughs> we get that question all the time. Yes, I understand that. But there's two ways to contribute to this individual K plan, which the employer portion has a contribution limit of uh, the employer's contribution limit up to 25% of compensation with a max of $36,500. And then you have your employee portion. The employee portion can actually go into a deemed Roth option in your individual K account, which is really awesome because imagine putting $18,500 away in a Roth. That's tax-free. That grows tax-free. You pay taxes up front, current year taxes, and you can grow those funds over time tax-free. That's really the benefits of a Roth. Now you have the Roth inside the individual K plan. If you're under the age of 50, the contribution limit is 18500 And if you're over the age of 50, the contribution limit is $24,500. So in addition to those huge contribution limits, you can have checkbook control with Mountain West IRA without establishing an LLC for your plan. We actually allow you to open up a bank account in the name of your individual K plan so you can have checkbook control. You can also take a loan from your individual K plan. You're, in, you're a solo entrepreneur. We understand you may need a loan. 401ks have that benefit of taking a loan up to $50,000 or whatever is half of the account. So you do have some more options with the Roth. The individual K plans are such a complex account that we actually have two webinars, individual K plan part one and part two that you can find on our website. And it goes into extreme detail on the individual K plans and what you can do with them. So if you want 
really specific information. I really encourage you to check those out and call us if you have questions on the individual K plan. Yeah. So what we'll do is I'll make sure I put uh, the links to those webinars in the show notes. So this way our listeners can go right to them and uh, get the more in-depth explanation of how that works. All right. So let's go back a little bit to uh, entity type because you said someone doesn't even have to have an LLC or a corporation. With the individual K plan, you do have to have an entity, like a business that you're working through. So this can be an LLC or any type of business, basically. And you're the only sole proprietor business owner in this business. Now you can invest. The benefits really with a self-directed account, people love checkbook control. They love being able to go to the steps of an auction and being able to write that check right then and there in a tax deferred or tax-free account. So the individual cake plan does have the benefits of a checkbook control account where you can do that without having to set up an additional LLC and have that checkbook control and go through the investment options. It's already in the individual K plan. And with the IRA, if somebody was buying real estate and they needed to act quickly, they would actually have to request the money from the IRA account through you. And that might take a couple of days and they might lose the opportunity to purchase that real estate because they weren't able to act as quickly. However, if they had the 401k plan, they have this checkbook control so they can literally write a check right there uh, to the seller and make a commitment and move on and accomplish the opportunity. So, so before you were talking about having the employer plan and then having the employee plan, and that's all part of the same 401k account. So the, the, so an individual as the employer is making contributions. And then if they're paying themselves a salary, then depending on what they paid themselves, they could also personally contribute uh, in addition to the amount that they put in. And what was the what was the limit for somebody over 50? So over 50, the employee portion of the 401k is up to 100% of income with a max of $24,500. And that could be in a traditional or Roth type of account. And below? And if you're under the age of 50, then the max is $18,500. And you can actually have this 401k where the employer part is just traditional 401k and the employee part is Roth all in the same account? Yes, all under the same umbrella. So I guess you would have to keep records. But if you took all the money that you contributed on the Roth side of it and you were investing that in real estate and then that real estate was making a profit, which then goes back into the account. And, and, and actually, I want to clarify that. When, whenever you're making these investments in your account, when you disposition the asset and you receive your profit, it goes back into the account. So it's not being taxed for capital gains at that point because it's going back in your account. If it's all done on the Roth side, then when you start taking distributions, do you not have to pay tax on the distributions from the Roth side? Correct, because you already paid taxes on your contribution amount. So you pay taxes on the seed, not the tree. So basically what's happening is that uh, you pay taxes, then you put the contribution in. Now that contribution grows, and you're not paying taxes on the growth of that contribution, as opposed to the regular 
traditional 401k, when you start taking distributions, you're going to pay taxes on those distributions as ordinary income. Correct. All right. So that is complex, but definitely worth definitely worth sitting down and planning how you're going to do that because you could be taking distributions of $100,000 a year. And when you file your taxes the next year, you're not paying taxes on that $100,000. Correct. This is brilliant. I mean, anyone that has retirement accounts definitely should be studying this and thinking about this as a source of capital that maybe they don't have on the side to start real estate investing. And, you know, depending on the marketplace that you're in, if you're in a high cost area like New York or San Francisco, you know, maybe maybe you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, get started with investing with the money that's in an account that maybe hasn't grown to a certain level yet. But just because you're in one place doesn't mean that you can't invest in another place. And there is the opportunity you know, to use this as capital. Now, let's say you are in a high cost area and you have, say, $200,000 that you want to allocate from a self-directed 401k or a self-directed IRA into a real estate investment that's much more expensive. Can you syndicate and get other investors to work with you? How would that work? Would you be able to do that? Of course, you can partner IRAs, you can partner with other investors in any any area. You can use your IRA in investments internationally or nationwide. Uh, the IRAs are really not limited as long as you structure the deal and it's in the name of the IRA and you're not selling or exchanging anything to yourself or um, creating a prohibited transaction, you can use it basically. So the IRA is very, IRA and individual K is very open to any type of creative transaction to make sure you can get the deal done. The, does Mountain West IRA help with the structuring of the transaction for someone that wanted to do something a little bit more complex like that so that they make sure they're not doing a prohibited transaction? You can always run your ideas by us if we have questions or we think it may be considered a prohibited transaction or you're dealing with a disqualified person, we'll point you in the correct direction to an ERISA attorney or an attorney that's familiar with self-directed IRAs. If we think it's really sketchy and, and potentially that gray area, we will require an opinion letter. But for the most part, you can run your ideas by us. We don't help you structure anything per se, but we do listen to what you are doing and we can help you out as much as possible. And tell our listeners, what's an opinion letter? An opinion letter comes from an attorney who is comfortable giving their opinion, saying that, yes, you can do this transaction and we just keep it on file. We will do the transaction as long as we have that opinion letter. And uh, if anything were to happen, let's say your account, worst case scenario, gets audited by the IRS, we would show that there's an opinion letter for this asset that it was approved. And if the IRS has questions, they can go to that attorney. Running your transactions by attorneys are always a great idea. And even if you have to pay an attorney for it, it may be worth it. Oh, I would say, yeah, (laughs) I would say it's probably worth it to, uh, yeah, taxes are not the kind of thing that you want to uh, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I think you want to ask for permission first. Yes. And it's really not, when you think of the grand 
idea of retirement and investing in your retirement and using your IRA or individual K to invest in real estate or alternative assets, the cost really is not does not outweigh the benefits. Attorneys for an hour are not as expensive as losing 100% of your IRA. Yeah, that's for sure. So let's let's use a little example here. So let's say somebody buys a multifamily building and let's say they pay a million dollars for it and it has eight units in it. Now, can they actively manage that building? Can they go in and do work on it? Can they be the property manager and not hire a property manager? What level of personal participation can they have in the management of that asset because it's an asset in their self-directed 401k or IRA? Every administrator that you speak with may be a little bit different, just so you are aware. So at Mountain West, we do allow you to manage it. You cannot do any sweat equity. So you cannot go in there and paint the building. You cannot go in there and change a a lock or anything like that. You can manage. You can hire the person to go change the lock, and then they can bill your IRA. Uh, We do not allow for you as a property manager to get paid from your IRA, And then we also do not allow for you to use, if you were to use your own property management company, we will not pay your property management company for your IRA's investment. So we'd like to keep it at an arm distance, but we do understand people rather manage it themselves and hire their own contractors and be somewhat a part of it, but they're not getting paid for it. Uh, So we do allow that here at Mountain West. So if I go in and I paint an apartment, you know, once it vacates and I want to turn it over and I go in and I paint it myself, but I don't pay myself anything for that. Is that okay or no? No, no sweat equity. So the IRS would look at this as you are personally benefiting and your IRA is benefiting by you doing that sweat equity and taking your time that the IRA should have paid somebody else to do that job. So the IRS looks at it as you're benefiting. So let's talk a little bit about uh, prohibited transactions. What are some of the prohibited transactions that come up a lot that people think they can do that they can't do that would um, have an impact on the validity of their self-directed account? So sweat equity is a huge one that comes up. People always want to say, well, I own this contractor company and I could just have my workers go in there. That's that's very, very gray line. We would actually require an opinion letter for that one. Most of the time you will not get an opinion letter for that one because it is your company. You're paying your workers. Your IRA is benefiting from you paying your workers to work on your IRA's property. So that's a really common one. But some other uh, items that you cannot purchase, which would create a prohibited transaction, is life insurance, any collectibles. So this is paintings, antique cars, stuff like that. Alcohol. Alcohol always goes missing. (laughs) You don't want to have that in your IRA anyways. Uh, So uh, those are some questions that we do get on items that you cannot purchase. Now, people you cannot do business with that would be considered a disqualified person is yourself. So you cannot sell your IRA a property that you already own and you cannot loan yourself money. You cannot work with your spouse. And by work, I mean you cannot sell or exchange to, uh, but you can't partner. You can always partner as long as it's at the purchase of the deal. But uh, you cannot sell or exchange to your spouse or any linear family. Linear family is parents, grandparents, children, grandchildren, and their spouses. So those are all disqualified people. But what you can do, you can 
invest with your brother or your sister, you just really want to be sure this is a time when I would say you should work with an attorney just to get that opinion letter to be very clear that you can do the job or do the investment with your your family. Uh, but I also have a link that I will send you to uh, include in the description where we have breakdown prohibited transactions and we have a really nice graph that shows you who you can and can't do business with and where lines can get crossed. And just to clarify, you said you can't lend yourself money in the IRA, but you can take the 401k loan on the individual K plan. Correct. Yes, that is correct. And that's a benefit of having an individual K plan where you can take that loan and you don't even have to tell me why you're taking that loan. You could just take that loan and pay yourself back. Right. And as you said before, up to half of what's in the account, but no more than $50,000. Correct. So while we were talking about that, Megan, I was thinking about another case that might be a prohibited transaction. I wanted to ask you about it. Let's say you already own a piece of real estate that is an investment property and you want to do something with it and you need capital for it. How does that play into the money that's in your self-directed account? So you'll not be able to sell that property or work on that property if you already own it. You are a disqualified person from your IRA. So you need to be really careful if you already own the property. And this is probably one of the worst questions that we get is, well, I have a property. What if I sold it to somebody and then bought it back? The IRS looks at intention. So even if you do that unintentionally, then the IRS can say, well, you did this on purpose. It's all he said, she said when it comes down to the IRS in those type of transactions. So if your intention is to get around something of the IRS, then it's probably a bad idea. Yeah, bad idea. And you won't get an opinion letter on it, that's for sure. Correct. So you want to be really careful. And then if you already own the property, it's best to just keep that out of the IRA Say you have a friend who has $100,000 in their IRA and they're willing to lend you the money and create a promissory note. You can always refer them and create a promissory note and pay your friend's IRA. That's okay. So if you do need the money and you don't qualify for a loan or you don't want to get a bank loan or you just want to help your friend out because they're only making 2 to 5% in the market right now, then you can always... Um, refer them to us. We'll help set up the account. We do not sell or promote any any investments. We don't give any investment advice. So you guys work with your own attorneys and decide the terms of your loan. Your friend can always loan you the money for that property. Megan, the next thing I want to talk about is equity debt structure to purchase real estate in a self-directed account. So let's say, for instance, I'm buying a property and it's a million dollars. And I want to invest $250,000 and then take a loan for $750,000. So that's a 75% loan to value ratio, 25% equity. That's something that I might be able to get from a traditional bank on a commercial property, uh, maybe a little bit less of a uh, loan to value ratio, but let's use 75% to keep the numbers easy. How does someone go about doing that? Is the lender lending to the 401k? Are they lending to the individual? How does that work? So the lender would be lending to the IRA or the individual K account. Now with IRAs and individual K accounts, you have to have a non-recourse loan. 
a non-recourse loan you will probably not find at a big bank or even many mortgage brokers won't have non-recourse loans. We have a list on our website if you need some that do it nationwide. But uh, non-recourse loans just mean that they go against the property and not you personally. They may run your credit score and look at your history, but that's not going to determine if you get the loan or not. But will de- what will be the determining factor is if that property can perform. So it, trying to get a non-recourse loan, you're looking at about 30 to 50% down. I know that's a huge range difference when it comes to leveraging property, but every lender is a little bit different. So I like to kind of group them all together. And then you'll have a little bit higher interest rate. So right now we're seeing rates anywhere from about 7 to 9% with non-recourse loans. So it's more than the average bank loan. Uh, but you remember, they're not able to go after you personally. It's only after that property. A non-recourse lender will not loan on a property that can't perform. So if it comes down to it, the rent should be covering that mortgage in your IRA. And the IRA pays that mortgage every single month. So it's not coming out of your pocket. It only comes out of the IRA. The mortgage and the rent come back to the IRA. So we do that for you as record keepers and we pay those loans. Payments of the loan actually come out of your IRA and you take care of that. Correct. All we'll require is the payment authorization letter or PAL. We'll require one every year. You'll have to update it on file. It's a way that we keep in contact with you at least annually to make sure that you know you still have this property because sometimes people forget when it's in their IRA that they do have to be in contact with us. But as long as you're in contact with us, we just have that PAL updated and your loan gets paid every month for you out of your IRA. So when a tenant is making payments, they're actually making payments to your IRA account. Correct. They send the payments directly to our Mountain West Boise, Idaho office, and we deposit them within one day of receiving the check. And I also understand that every year there is a fair market value of the assets in the 401k that has to be provided by the account holder to Mountain West IRA. Is that correct? Yes. So it's called a fair market valuation or FMV. We do require it annually. And it's not just a Mountain West requirement. The IRS requires it annually. So if you don't get it to us, then we actually go through every single account and we will charge you $50 to uh, pull the tax records. And that'll be your fair market valuation for the year. Now we do have people that just want us to do that so they don't have to worry about it. And that's okay. You just don't turn one in and we'll do it for you. But if you want to have a true actual either appraisal or comp from a realtor or broker, you can do that using that fair market valuation and you'll just turn them in every year. We start sending out reminders in October and we hope to get them all in by December 15th so that we can report to the IRS the true value of your IRA. So the true value of your self-directed account is a combination of the cash that's in it, the equity that's in it from between the loan and what you paid for the property, and then also the appreciation, which is reflected each year in this fair market value form. Correct. And when you disposition an asset, that is sell it, all the proceeds from the sale go directly back into the account. Because if you didn't, then that would be a distribution. Correct. Yes. So if you were to, let's say for an example, this is a, I'm just going to put a disclaimer in here. This is just a crazy number. That is a true story that has happened. If you were to do a 
lease option on a property, let's say you bought the option for $5,000 and then you sold the option for $100,000, that $100,000 would go back into your IRA tax deferred or tax free, depending on what type of account you have. Boy, that was a good deal. Uh, I deal with the investors that do those types of deals quite a bit here in Florida. They do do those really crazy deals. This one happened to be one of the investors that I know very well. He did it on a commercial building. I was in Idaho when we got the paperwork. And even our office manager, who's been here longer than I have since almost the start of the company, she was like, is this serious? Did he really just do this in an IRA? And I was like, yes, like it is so possible to do that in an IRA. And that's exactly what he did. And like our whole office was amazed by it. And so there's no capital gain on that. No capital gain. It was in a Roth too. Oh, wow. So when he does that distribution down the road, uh, he's not going to pay any taxes on that as ordinary income. Yeah, that's that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and, And actually, that's a good segue into my next question. Traditionally, when people own real estate outside of a retirement account, Uh, they do something called depreciation on an annual basis. Depending on what method they use, it's depreciating a certain amount every single year. So what do people do? I guess they really don't have to depreciate their properties. They don't have to use that strategy. They don't have to use that strategy. When we get experienced investors that do use that strategy, and then they ask, why would I use an IRA if I can't depreciate it or I can't get the gains or I can't recapture anything from it. You you need to calculate when you're choosing to use an IRA versus something outside of an IRA. Does that depreciation actually matter if you're not getting taxed on it or tax deferred or tax free income? So we do have some people who will decide that a self-directed is not for them because they rather have that recapture. But if you really do the calculation on every investment, it's a little bit different. But to me, when I see something, when I do deals in my IRA, just never having to deal with the taxes is so much easier in my mind than having to go recapture something later. So that's just how I like to do my investments, but it's different for everyone. We do recommend that you do the calculations yourself to decide which method is best for you. Megan, we've been talking a lot about the tax advantages of the self-directed strategy. I understand there's something called UBIT. Is that U-B-I-T? Correct. Yes. UBIT tax. Your IRA is could be subject to UBIT tax potentially if you leverage the property and sell it before the loan is paid off. Because those are funds that are actually not in the IRA. They're borrowed funds. You can have that potential for UBIT, which we really, really advise you guys go speak to a tax professional or an attorney to get all the information on UBIT and if your IRA could be subject to it. Now, if you were to have a your property leveraged and then own it free and clear for one year after leveraging it, then you can potentially void the whole UBIT subject and you can sell that property because you've owned it free and clear over a year So UBIT is something that our listeners should take into consideration when they are leveraging a property in their self-directed 401k or IRA account. Obviously, they need to talk to their tax attorney or their accountant to help them plan for that strategy. Now, if somebody partners with someone for the acquisition of the property, does that still come under the UBIT rules? 
It would depend on how they partner. So if they were to receive a loan from somebody, so let's say that they get a promissory note, they could potentially, that's something to talk to a tax accountant about. But if they were to do, let's say, split the acquisition, let's say that you and your spouse want to purchase this in each of your IRA at a 50-50 split, then no, that one is a 100% cash purchase where your each IRA would own 50%. So then you no longer have that UBIT because it's cash purchase. Right. And in the case where let's say I'm buying a property for a million dollars and the partner that I'm with is putting up $500,000 and it's not even in their IRA or 401k, they're just putting up $500,000 and my part's coming from my IRA or 401k. It's not a loan. We're partners in the property. And when we sell it, we're going to split the difference 50-50 on the profit, then that's not going to be subject to UBIT. Correct. Okay, great. All right. So let's say somebody is acquiring property and they're getting ready to go to the closing. Are all the participants that are normally at a closing at the closing or do we need somebody extra? How do you guys get involved? How does that work? So a closing would be normal closing. We would just have the form sent to us prior to closing. And you as the client would sign as read and approved on all the pages that we have to sign on. So you read it and tell us that that's what you guys agree to. After you sign as read and approved, you send it to Mountain West IRA. And then our transactions department will sign as Mountain West IRA, FBO, your name. So we sign on behalf of your IRA and FBO stands for for benefit of, we do sign on behalf of the IRA, but we do not sign unless we have that read and approved signed. That's for the 401k as well? Yes. If you were to not have checkbook control for the 401k, if you were to opt to have us do your record keeping, then we would require the same thing. Right. But if you have checkbook control, then you can sign uh, the paperwork at the closing and also write the checks. Correct. All right, great. So what's the cost to establish one of these accounts and the ongoing fees? We have a $50 account establishment fee for an IRA. And then we have two different fee structures that you can choose from. Option one is $75 per quarter per asset or liability. And that one does, option one does have a transaction fee for non-real estate. So let's say promissory notes, private placements, you're looking at a transaction fee of $95 upon purchase or sale. And then uh, if it's real estate, we do have a transaction fee for $125 and that's on purchase of sale of the real estate. And then option two is based on your total account value and it's a marginal rate multiplier type of equation and it's charged annually on the anniversary of your account and zero transaction fees. So obviously, if someone was going to establish one of these accounts, they would sit down and talk with you about the value of the account, what they anticipate doing the account, the amount of activity they're going to have in the account, and then choose one of these two options. Something that's really great that I love that Mountain West does, every transaction, we evaluate your fee option to decide if you're on the best fee structure. And if you're not, the first time, the first transaction that you do we will change it for free because it's your first transaction. And then after that, let's say you're three transactions in, you have three rental properties, and then all of a sudden option two looks better for you. At that time, it's a $50 uh, transfer of fee structures and we'll send you the fee We'll send you the fee form and you'll just sign the fee form and agree to pay the $50 and we'll switch you to the cheaper of the two. Are there more fees on the individual K plan? 
the individual K plan has those same exact fees, but an additional $300 every year for the individual K ERISA plan document. I have a question about estates. When an individual has established an account self-directed like this a while back, and they've been investing in it over the years, and it has grown, and they got to the point where they started taking distributions, and then unfortunately becomes part of their estate because they passed away. Is there any difference between this account and if they just had an IRA or a 401k that went into their estate? There is not a difference. We have a beneficiary form. So the individual whose account it is, they can, one, choose to have their spouse on it, which will just become a spousal account. The spouse can then choose if they want to take it as their own and not have the distributions or potentially depending on their age, or they can keep it as a beneficiary account and take the distributions from the account. All assets will stay in the account. If there's a renter in it, rents will still come to that account. So it's a really great way for uh, estate planning. We actually do have quite a few clients that use it for estate planning only because they're set in their life and they're planning for their children and grandchildren. What we have found, the people that use it for estate planning, it makes it harder for the heirs of the estate to just take the money and run because it's in real estate. So they have to go through the process of selling it, setting up the account themselves, and then also receiving the rental income every month. So it's a a really interesting way of estate planning to make it where your heirs have to do some work if they really want to distribute. But if the person were to pass away, then the heirs would just provide a death certificate. And then we would then set them up with either the spousal or beneficiary account and transfer the assets into their name upon either the beneficiary form or a trust or a will, whatever it is that that person has on file. If you were to have the beneficiary form completed, which most, thankfully, most clients do, we actually don't accept IRAs anymore without a beneficiary form. As long as you have that beneficiary form filled out, we follow those directions exactly. So you don't have to worry about who gets what. We'll divide it upon your beneficiary form. Now, if you do want a will or a trust on file, we do require a trust abstract or basically an abstract of some sort where the attorney would then have to tell us what and how to divide this asset. And that's obviously something that people would sit down with their estate planning professionals and work out so that they know that this part of their estate is being handled the way they wish it to be. The beneficiary forms we find to be one of the most easy ways for the heirs. If something does happen and it's a wife who is going through the death of her husband and she's going through a really hard time, she chooses beneficiary account or spousal account and it's done. We don't have to talk to an attorney or deal with anything, which is really nice. So plan for your heirs. And then if you do choose a will or trust, make three of the right people in place. So let's talk about our uncle. Uncle Sam, IRS yeah. and uh, and audits. Uh, t- tell me what your experience around that has been. Thankfully, we haven't had very many audits. We had one audit and they actually came from another custodian as they were getting audited. They were doing a transfer. It was a really interesting situation. And her audit went really well. But uh, the IRS can audit any account at any time. So your IRA, we do report to the IRS and your IRA is subject to an audit just like you as a person are. 
But the benefit of working with Mountain West IRA is we have a strong reputation for knowledgeable staff and personalized transactions. So you get to work with us the whole way. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we do listen and will require opinion letters if we do feel like uh, something's in a gray area. But we also know the appropriate questions to ask you and we'll let you know if we do need that opinion letter to avoid those prohibited transactions or gray areas. And hopefully, if you do get audited, then it'll be a successful audit. Yes, a successful audit. That's definitely the goal. The key word. Now, if you do have an IRA and you choose to have an LLC so that you can have checkbook control, or if you have an individual K where you have checkbook control, we really, really recommend that you have the proper attorneys or CPAs or tax professionals in your corner helping you along the way. Because once you have checkbook control, we don't see what happens in those accounts. The only type of accounts we can help you through every type of transaction is if we are helping you with the transaction. So I'd like to end with a story. So I'm going to ask you to tell me a story. So without disclosing any location or other identifying information uh, about, you know, the client obviously want to protect their privacy. Can you share with me an example of someone who, you know, started with one amount uh, and then over a period of years has a much larger account as a result of using either the self-directed IRA or the self-directed K-Plan strategy to invest in real estate? Yes. And I'm actually going to use a story that popped into my head first, and it's not really real estate, but it's something that'll make you remember self-directed IRAs and you can use real estate. So we have a client who is a farmer. He knows, likes, and understands cows. So like I said at the beginning, you can invest in almost anything in your IRA. He actually invests in cows. So each cow he purchases for $1,000 and it'll grow up and have a calf. So he's getting 100% capital gain. We trademarked that. (laughs) Capital gain in his IRA each year with that count. So let's say he has 50 heads, that's $50,000 in that same model. And each one every year has a a calf. So then he gets 100% capital gain. Then he leases the cows to a farmer because he can't do the sweat equity. He's not able to, uh, to, to help with the cows, feed the cows, milk them. He's not able to do any of that with the sweat equity with his cows. So he leases the cows out to a farmer. The farmer then milks the cows and creates a dividend for our client's IRA every single month on the milk sales. So he's using cows and farming something that he knows and trusts, and he's able to grow his IRA almost 100% every year by using cows as capital gains and bovidens. We actually trademarked that because we, uh, John Galane, who's the CEO of Mountain West IRA, love the story so much. And that's actually like our, our promotional material. Everything like that is cows and <laughs> capital gains. All right. So we haven't shared a story that's not already out there. <laughs> now, a story that's not out there. We had a investment group here in Florida. So I gave a presentation and it was called how to start an IRA with $1,000 and grow it, a Roth IRA. And so basically how to start from the bare minimum and use real estate to grow it. So we had an investment group. All these savvy investors here in Florida decided that they wanted to get together and have a contest. The contest was each one of them would fund a Roth IRA with $1,000 and 
by the end of the year, we would see who grew it the fastest. So there was only about five people in it. Three were really active. Two were just kind of active. So the let's say the three that were really active out of it. Uh, one of them, he was able to grow his IRA. It's still growing right now. This contest was like two years ago. But he was able to grow his IRA by the end of the year. Um, I believe it was like 120000 Now, this is somebody that specialized in lease options, and he loves creative real estate. So he was able to do some, some sell some options. He was able to do a little bit more, and this is his full-time job. So he had time to do it all. And, of course, he came up with the idea to do the contest. So um, he, But he used different methods of uh, lease options, raw land, real estate, rentals, and um, lending money to grow his IRA. It's a great story. And he did that in a year? Yes. Wow. It's his full-time job. So it was kind of like every big deal that he had, he would do it in his IRA. Yeah, but you know what? That's a great story. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people feel like they have to have a large account to get started. And he got started with $1,000 and grew it to over six figures in 12 months. It's amazing what people can do. And most of our accounts are within... I would say majorities, maybe they started about 50,000 because it's somebody after like two or three years of leaving their company decide to roll it over. So they start at about 50,000 and then we go up all the way to the million. So our accounts range. We get calls with people saying, well, I don't have that much. It's really not the number that matters. What matters is what you do with that number. So it comes down to mindset, education, what you like, know, and trust. So in the case of that investor that started with $1,000, grew to over six figures, you said that was a Roth account. Yes. Not only is there no capital gains because it's all going back into the account, but 20, 30, 40, whatever it is, years from now, when that person starts taking distributions, they're not going to pay any tax on that as ordinary income. Correct. So he paid taxes on the $1,000 and everything else grew tax-free. Wow. And depending on whether he continues to do this over a long period of time, when that person does decide to retire, he could have millions and millions of dollars in that account that he will be able to distribute to himself without paying any taxes. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Megan, this has been fabulous. I mean, truly, truly incredible. The listeners receive many, many great ideas from you today. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on Realty Speak with us and talking about self-directed IRA and 401k plans. And, you know, we've covered a lot of topics today and I wish we had time to cover more, but we are running out of time and our listeners may have more questions for you. So if so, I'm sure they can reach out to you uh, at your website, they can reach out to you at your email, maybe your phone number. Why don't you tell us how our listeners can reach you? And by the way, I will put all this in the show notes as well. Listeners, you are welcome to reach out to me at mountainwestira.com. My email, the fastest response you'll get will be at accounts with its plural, A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at mwira.com. That goes to the whole business development team and whoever's available first will answer you. And Or you can call us at 866-377-3311. 
And we basically covered in about an hour, we covered about an eight hour course. So we have a huge amount of information that we can give you and provide you in self-directed IRAs. And you can call us and we will talk to you for free and get all your self-directed IRA questions. So please let us know if you have any questions that we can help you with. Thank you, Megan. I'm so glad I got to teach all of your listeners about self-directed IRAs and individual K plans. Thanks, Bill, for having me on. Well, there you have it, folks. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for listening. I look forward to you joining in for the next episode of Realty Speak, the podcast. Don't want to miss an episode? Then subscribe right on the player and choose your favorite platform like iTunes or Google Play Music. Or just search for Realty Speak on your device's podcast app like Podcast Republic, my fave on Android devices or Overcast on Apple devices. To share with others, just choose share on the player and choose your preferred social media platform. And now Realty Speak is also on Spotify. And of course, you and I can connect to chat about your plans with your real estate investments, whether to buy, sell, or just chat about strategies on what you currently own. The website is BillWidener.com and all my information is there. That's B-I-L-L-W-E-I-D-N-E-R.com. And remember, it's not about us, but about how we help you make the bottom line rise. Until next time.